Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Burroughs. Um, as many of you know, I've been uh, on vacation doing a lot of podcasting. I got an opportunity to be on Sirius 87 on Saturday night with Bob Harris, which went very well. He said that I am now part of the rotation, so that's, that was really exciting. But I got one more bit of real exciting news. I am going to be joining the Rotoviz podcasting team as well as being a writer on their, um, you know, for the for regular Rotoviz. And basically they are doing what they did last year with the Beat Reporters, and Matthew Freeman asked a bunch of us. I said I was interested, so I'll be hosting two episodes of that and helping co- coordinate uh, all the beats for the AFC and NFC East. But I also pitched an idea by him to do a best ball show on Rotoviz, and that was approved. We're still finalizing the details, but I hope to have an official announcement out and what that looks like going forward. But we will have some best ball shows going in over the next five to six weeks. So that's obviously very exciting, and all you guys out there who supported my little pod along the way, You know I appreciate you and all the guys who came on my pod when they didn't have to. Believe me, if I can get you on uh, Rotoviz, I'm going to do that as well. So thanks to everyone out there. Um, Today is kind of Christmas in July for a lot of us in the industry as 720 people are ready to race to the finish line of the tournament known as SFB7. We're going to have, I guess you could call him the frequent guest of the pod now, and T.J. Hernandez coming up here in about 20 seconds. And then we've got Chris Heil, I think is how you pronounce it. And we've also got Goat District coming on tonight. I don't even know the guy's first name yet. I guess we'll find that out in the interview. But uh, T.J. is the co-founder uh, of Roster Coach. It is his baby and we'll, we'll talk again a little bit about that. 
everyone knows him, I think. Uh, if you're listening to my pod and you don't know, you can find him on 4 for 4 Football, where he's the associate editor. He's the co-host of the fabulous DFS MVP podcast with Chris Raybon. Um, I won't even go to his beer hatred this time. TJ, welcome to the podcast. Todd, thanks for having me. And, yeah, you said it perfect, uh, Christmas in July. I'm on the West Coast, so I woke up a a little bit after uh, the draft started, and my timeline was full of hashtag SFB7. So, obviously, I I clicked open the draft, and luckily I'm in a a league that's moving fairly quickly. We just wrapped up around four, two picks into round five already. So, uh, obviously, that's fun. That's amazing. I mean, I was part of one of the slowest drafts of the year last year, um, and this year we already had to replace the guy who was at 1-3. So the hatred on Twitter for that gentleman, I won't mention his name, was pretty, pretty strong, and um, he's been replaced. We've moved on, and we're in somewhere in the middle of the second round. So I don't have nearly as much going on as you do so far, TJ, as far as, uh, as, far as news to report. Um, you're in the Timon and Pumba division, are you not? Yep, uh, the the Sidekicks Conference, the Timon and Pumba division, and I mean all of these leagues are stacked. But uh, when when the leagues came out, I, I had I didn't even know the leagues were out yet, and and I came up in a Twitter mention, and everyone was kind of calling this the uh, the League of Death, if you will. It's uh, Rich Rebar, Chad Scott, uh, Elliot, Chris, like a. Obviously, there's good analysts everywhere, but this one looks uh, especially daunting. So this is a fun one to be in. Whoever whoever comes out of this division is going to deserve it. Yeah, unfortunately, sometimes I think what happens, and again, look, it's the luck of the draw. Uh, I had a tough division last year, a, a really tough draft, and so far this year as well. And you know it's a tough draft by who falls to you, I think. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, names are one thing, but... You know, when you're up and, and, you know, you're three picks away and you've got two guys you really want and consistently they're both gone, you know you're in a tough division. Yeah, especially in SFB7. And I was talking about this, um, I think, a little bit on uh, our last pod together and definitely on Twitter, how if if we looked at mock draft data, um, the standard deviations are huge uh, compared to something like NFL 10 or just any redraft, which basically means that ADP – is is an average like we all know, but usually that uh, that range of outcomes for a player's draft position is fairly small. And this, it's huge. After you get past the second round, you're looking at um, there, there's anywhere from like a two round range where a player might go, even if they have like a fourth round ADP. Sometimes they're going as early as uh, second or third, and as late as six or seven. So that makes it re- really crazy. And, and like you mentioned, uh, just looking at this draft compared to a couple mocks I did, uh, a lot of people on very similar um, ideas of, of how to build a team as I have. I was hoping that wouldn't be the case, but of course with some sharp guys, I'm not surprised that they adjusted at least how I see uh, to be optimal. Yeah, I agree. And I'm going to ask you a question about that a little bit in a minute about um, the different styles and the positions and, and you know, what, what kind of um, – you know, that you can really, I think, be in three to four different types of drafts. You know what, we'll get into that one uh, in a sec, but 
What I want to um, ask you, since you know we we're on the Christmas concept, uh, what did uh, July Santa Claus leave under your tree at the number two spot, and who did you get coming back to you? And just kind of fill us in on what's gone on so far with your personal draft and the presents that you were able to unwrap. Yeah, so I was at 1.02, and I was uh, set on taking one of the top two running backs, Le'Veon or uh, David Johnson. The 1.01 actually took Aaron Rodgers, so I have I've Le'Veon slightly ahead of uh, DJ in my ranking, so I ended up with Le'Veon, which was nice, but I, I knew no matter what I was going to – uh, be pretty happy with that pick. Uh, for those that don't know, the the scoring settings here make running backs. Well, I mean, all of the positions you could argue are equally valuable, but uh, running backs especially valuable at the very top because uh, they they are it is kind of a a play on a standard format. And then tight ends get a huge bump because they're they are getting two and a half points per first down. Other positions are just getting one um and then of course it is super flex with six point passing touchdowns so you're gonna have a lot of different philosophies uh, i wanted to load up on running back and tight end and as, as i mentioned in some of my mocks i was able to get top two or three tight ends coming back to me at that two three turn um unfortunately gronk and kelsey went back to back at 2.02 and 2.03 but i still did land greg olson at the 211 uh, coming back at 302, I was really debating doubling up at tight end with uh, Jordan Reed there, but Lamar Miller slipped one spot further than I thought. It was it was uh, him, Fournette, and Jordan Reed were the guys I was looking at. But with Lamar Miller still there, uh, I started my top three, two running backs and a tight end, figuring that I could still get a pretty good tight end coming back. And who did you get in the fourth? Fourth, I got uh, Jimmy Graham at 411. It was actually a coin yeah, flip between him awesome. and Rudolph, but yeah, but I, I really, really wanted to to get a couple running backs and tight ends with those first four picks, and luckily I got guys who I think are pretty premium picks um, at at their spots in this league type. So pretty excited about that spot. And then as we started this draft, uh, this conversation actually, my 5.02 went through and got one of my favorite uh, quarterbacks in Andy Dalton. That's, yeah, I see that, and, you know, that's the key, right? You know, I took Breeze, um, and I was just going to ask you if you were worried about not getting quarterbacks because that's the risk, right? You love running backs and tight ends, but the risk is that, you know, you, you, you're playing all year with Jared Goff and, uh, <laughs> and, and Deshaun Kaiser, and, you know, but getting uh, Andy Dalton at 5'2 is awesome, Um what would you have done if Kyle Rudolph had made it? Oh, you had you had pre-drafted uh, just quarterback there with Kyle Rudolph. He went two picks before you. Was he on any of your pre-drafts? At, at that 502 spot, just because of the way this league has went, I think uh, my Andy Dalton was the 16th quarterback off the board. Being that I'm at that two slot, um, I would have taken Dalton there anyway. Um, I had him my top quarterback left, and I just didn't want to – have to come all the way back and risk having one of those quarterbacks outside the top 22 or 23 um, yeah, as my QB one. But but I'm not I'm not too concerned about uh, missing out on quarterbacks. Like at this spot right here, 
I'm usually willing, even in super flex leagues, to, to play chicken a little bit and make people see those other names that are starting to get uh, really tempting here in the fifth round. We're seeing some really good wide receivers fall, um, and then people that haven't hit that tight end position yet, uh, kind of daring them to, to pass up on those guys. And I'm willing to, to keep loading up at those positions where I could fill my other flex spots and kind of punting that QB2 if I have to. Yeah, for me, I'm kind of still, you know, I, I've said it on a couple of the SFB pods that you're gonna you're gonna get faced with some wide receivers that you're used to like auto drafting a round earlier or two rounds earlier, and I do think it takes a bit of uh, courage to pass. I'm I'm more looking at it like just give me three to five wide receivers who will put up. You know, more of the Cole Beasley types than the Kenny Stills, unlike best ball, where for me it's just the opposite. I'd rather have Kenny Stills than Cole Beasley. If I if I can get, you know, decent performance every week, but we'll see how it plays out. Speaking of the wide receiver, one of the admittedly, we all know he's one of the smartest guys in the industry, Rich Rebar. He took McCoy at 108, and he came back and took Julio at 2-5. And, you know, Beckham went one pick before him. What, what's your thoughts on, take, you know, taking one of those top wide receivers in the second round as, as it relates to yeah. opportunity cost? Yeah, I mean, I think where, where Rich is drafting at is kind of where that sweet spot is for those top three receivers, like middle to late second round. Um, you, you, I think this is where – the kind of men are separated from the boys, so to speak, and where having some kind of projection model that you trust in really comes into account in this type of league because I think there are three types of, of drafters in this league where it's just so unfamiliar to people. You're going to have the people that don't do a lot of preparation. You're going to have guys that kind of give it a once-over but don't adjust properly, and then you're going to have the guys like Rich who really dig into these scoring settings and have projections that they're going to be pretty confident in and be able to tier those guys. And I think that kind of is that tier where I think a Julio is going to give you an advantage over that um, second tier of running backs. But I, I think he came back and, and went running back again. So, um, uh, I mean, I feel like he probably had a, a pretty good idea of where he was going to go, depending on if those guys fell or not. And that makes sense to me. And then if you look at the, the entire draft, at least that we're in, um, we only see eight wide receivers off the board. So again, people have been able to ignore that name value a little bit in this league at least and recognize that the scoring settings really shift the dynamic um, of how you should be drafting. I'm, I'm guessing, kind of clicking around, that that hasn't been the case in some other drafts where you might have some people that haven't really dug into the settings as much as they should or maybe missed a small detail that could really skew their rankings uh, and they just see those big names in auto-click like you said. But where Rick yeah. was, I think that's a pretty good spot. Yeah, and he did come back and get Isaiah Crowell in the third, and then he took the chance on Tyler Eifert in the fourth. We all know that Tyler Eifert profiles like a top three tight end, but he's not being drafted like a top three tight end because of his injury concerns. So that that's a situation where at 4-5, if you get – you know that you know again you and I have talked about risk management in your portfolio and in a league like this you know you don't have the ability to 
you know, you don't have a portfolio, so to speak. So your portfolio is your one draft, and and having one risky guy like that can really pay off, don't you think? Yeah, and, and um, again, that's a pick that I I really like. And actually, if I was hoping people would kind of shy away from the risk of Eifert, and he felt if, if he would have fallen to me, I would have taken him over Jimmy Graham just because um, in a in a traditional league, I, I might shy away from that pick. Uh, given the opportunity, but here I'm really looking to take first place out of 720 people, so I'm going to uh, embrace that volatility a little more than I might in just a regular 12-man league where if I sneak into the playoffs, uh, anything can happen here. Even if you sneak into the playoffs, you're going to have a, a lot of overlap against the teams you're playing against. And, uh, if you want to take down first place, you should be going with a, a little more um, risky strategy in your draft. Yeah, I I would agree with you, but we're still in the second round. And I might disagree with you, but we're still in the second round. So I will keep that one under my hat. Um, but I do think that um, to get him in the fourth round is is exactly the type of risk, you know, especially when you don't have risk with Julio and Crowell and arguably his first pick as well. I mean, he, he, you know, he went three really safe picks followed by one that has some risk tolerance to it. I really like his draft so far. Um, for those out there wondering what my draft looks like, um, Drew Brees felt to me at 110. I felt that was something that I couldn't pass up. I had um, on the board at the time, Gronk was there, Jay Ajayi, Travis Kelsey, um, and I, I wanted a tight end, but I couldn't pass on Breeze because I really feel like there's a big drop-off after Breeze um, as far as, you know, consistency and things of that nature that you can get from Drew Breeze. And uh, Gronk went next, and then the two guys I was hoping would fall to me, Jay Ajayi and Kels both went, followed by Andrew Luck. And then I took Jordan Reed. Um and, you know, I think he would have went the next pick because the next pick was Greg Olson. So um, what do you think of my start with Breeze and Reed? Yeah, I like that a lot. And I still feel like those are, especially the Reed pick, kind of highlights um, an inefficiency we're already seeing in the drafts. It looks like it looks like about half of the 60 leagues are through two rounds now. Uh, and I mentioned that, uh, I think on our last meeting that eight tight ends finished in the top 40 non-quarterback scoring and three in the top 20. Um, right now through 30 drafts pretty much, we still see someone like Reed and Greg Olson going outside the top, uh, the top 20 um, and then no other tight end in the top 40. So with quarterbacks mixed in, I, I think those guys could still be going slightly higher just because they are going to finish so high in the non-quarterback rankings uh, pretty much right after top 15 running backs and maybe four or five receivers. So I really like getting Reed there. Yeah, I do too. And, you know, if, if Gronk was staring me in the face with Reed, I think I still would have went Reed. Uh, I think that if Gronk goes – they're both injury risks, but I think that there's a safer path to a backup with – Reed than there is with Gronk. Um, you know, Gronk could go down and everyone, you could have Allen and still not really pay off the, you know, I, I, you know, it could go five other ways with all the weapons there. 
where I, I do think that Vernon Davis is someone who, um, you know, again, I'm probably giving away too much information here, but I do think that Vernon Davis is an, you know, and I don't mind cuffing a guy like Jordan Reed. It depends on how my draft goes, what other tight ends I have. I mean, there's 16 other factors, but that was that was kind of a tiebreaker for me. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, um, both of those guys are, like you said, are injury risk. But, again, I think kind of ignoring that a little bit in this league and shooting for the stars is really the way to go. Yep. And so um, TJ mentioned the ADP data, so it it would only be right that uh, I give a shout-out to the man whose data we're looking at. You can find him on Twitter, Fantasy ADHD. Josh, um, if you're listening, thank you for doing this. If you're not listening and you're someone who's in the contest and you want to get a sense for ADP, um, you can look it up on Josh's fantasyadhd.com slash SFB. But keep in mind what uh, TJ already mentioned, ADP here is much less of a guide than it is for normal leagues. And uh, what, what, why don't you explain it again? Because I know you had some tweets out on exactly, you know, the kind of uh, fluctuations we're seeing in the market. Yeah, I mean, basically the, the range of outcomes that we're seeing, uh, even just in the middle rounds, is twice as big as you would see in a, in a traditional NFL 10. So for the most part in any type of redraft league, a player's going to fall roughly within a round of their ADP where where you're at in your uh, draft is pretty much, you pretty much have an idea of maybe six, seven, eight guys that are going to be available. Uh, here the ADP is still the average, but the, the range of outcomes is huge. Like we're looking at two to three round uh, ranges of outcomes for even someone in the fourth or fifth round. So like I mentioned earlier, someone drafted, 50th overall on average might be going as early as 25th. They might be going as late as 70th. Um, so for that reason, I think you, you, you still need to be flexible, um, pay attention to the runs, but you also kind of have, have an idea of how you want to build your team. Uh, and just because you, you see a tight end that you want his ADPs around later, uh, there's a really high chance that he's not going to be there. Uh, when it comes back around to you, even more so than than in a traditional league, where if his if his ADP is 15, 16 rounds uh, picks later, you, you can be pretty confident he's going to come back. Here, the the confidence is way lower of where those players are going to land. Yeah, uh, there, there's no doubt, and it's 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 just you know it, it's crazy. And I tell this story all the time. I was in a league with Kevin Cole last year. I took three quarterbacks in the first seven rounds and he w- he didn't take one and but I kept waiting for that quarterback run that never happened and he was able to get two good quarterbacks in like the eighth and tenth rounds and won the division so uh, more than any other league I, I do think that you're you know it's what what you know TJ it's kind of like a shell game uh, these drafts where you can't cover everything you want to cover. So, you, it, you know, what you do cover early, if you're lucky enough that what you still need is still out there, you're, you're way ahead of the game, don't you think? 
Yeah, and again, it, it kind of it just comes down to understanding scoring and understanding uh, roster requirements. Like, yeah, sure, it's super flex, but we also have three other flex spots that we can fill up. So the, the demand in a traditional super flex league really pushes those quarterback uh, values up. And I think you mentioned what Kevin did last year in waiting. Um, that doesn't take into account the fact that we have so many more positions to fill in this league uh, with two running backs, three wide receivers, and three more flex um, that it, it should kind of recalibrate those quarterback values a little bit. And, again, that's kind of the reason I'm willing to play a game of chicken with that position um, and not so much with running backs and tight end, at least this year, with the scoring the way it is. That makes a tremendous amount of sense. And, uh, you know, and again, I guess there's three different types of runs, TJ, that we can be looking at. And I, I think we're seeing a little less runs than I expected because quarterback, running back, and tight end, and a lot of people weren't on the tight ends early, but a, a lot of the analysts kind of really hit it hard the last couple of days. And I'm seeing a lot less runs early than I expected because of what you just spoke about. Yeah, I mean, the, the values are just so spread out. I, I think the, the runs that we'll still see are probably going to be those quarterback runs. Uh, I think that's just going to be one that people are going to have a hard time ignoring when, when they see a couple going off the board and they really want to start two QBs every single week. Um, but, again, you just kind of have to define – how you think it's optimal to build a team and hope that the, the draft falls your way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, you know, obviously I wish you well with the rest of your draft. And um, why don't you, uh, you know, I know you're always percolating something in the, in, in the factory back there in San Diego that, you know, sometimes it's beer and sometimes it's knowledge um, anything you got coming up that you might be dropping on the uh, an unsuspecting public in the near future? Yeah, I do have a, a best ball project that I just wrapped up. Um, it was a collaboration with some really, really smart dudes. I, I think when that drops, uh, a lot of people are going to be really excited about it. Still can't speak officially on it, um, but that project was really fun, something I've kind of been working on uh, low-key. And then, of course, um, I'm going to be really ramping up the focus on DFS here in the coming weeks. I mean, we're still a couple months out from uh, NFL starting, but we do have preseason games three, four weeks away. So there'll be there'll yeah. be some preseason DFS analytics coming up. And then, of course, I'll be dropping some DFS theory just to get people's mind ready for the season. So that should be really fun coming up as well. When do you think the scoring will be out? I mean, you know, the pricing for week one. Last year, FanDuel dropped it on August 1st. Um, so even before the first preseason game. So I'm, uh, I know FanDuel and DraftKings kind of like to go back and forth. So I wouldn't be surprised to see DraftKings try to beat them to the punch and drop it on June 30th or whatever this year. Um, but yeah, I'm guessing we're about three weeks away from seeing uh, week one pricing drop. And of course, once that happens, um, Look out for my Twitter because I'm sure I'll be going uh, going crazy on some some ideas I have about those prices when they drop. Awesome, and uh, and how much of that will translate over to roster coach? 
Uh, a lot of it will translate to Roster Coach. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Roster Coach is uh, the site that I run, which is a uh, video-based kind of classroom-style website where you kind of sit down and get an idea of what uh, myself and some other really uh, bright coaches are are doing in their day-to-day process. So uh, we'll be breaking down preseason this year. We didn't get to that last year. I'm really excited about that. Um, and then we have some plans just for, for some more uh, intimate learning experiences. And, and when that launches, I'll definitely be uh, blowing up that new experience on Twitter. So a couple really yeah. exciting things going on over there. And you know I want you to come on whenever you get that done. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and we can go over that. Um, you know, and for those who didn't catch TJ's full episode, you can find it by doing a Google search for the Run to Daylight podcast, and you'll see his episode. Um, you can also find my podcast on iTunes. And I'm on vacation this week. i got to try and figure out Stitcher, and i got a few other things that I'm trying to do. I'm getting a little behind. I feel like I'm working harder on my vacation than I do normally <laughs> with my job, with all the stuff that's been coming up here. And... Um, you know, but it's all good stuff. Um, I can't wait to see your best ball article, TJ. Um, maybe, you know, we'll talk. Maybe uh, once it drops, it's something that makes sense for my miniseries on uh, on Rotoviz. You know I'd always love to have you on. Yeah, I'm excited to do that. I'm excited that you're over at Rotoviz. I'm, I'm always, uh, always have a blast when I am on Rotoviz radio, so it looks like a, a good 2017 coming into shape here. So I'm excited to, I guess, officially have fantasy football season underway with our first uh, draft of the year. Yeah, it's awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, the great TJ Hernandez. TJ, thank you as always for joining me on the podcast. Um, we are now going to go to our second guest. He is a content manager of, this is Chris, right? Did I did I screw that up? It's John. Oh no, it's John. Sorry. Okay. So um, you know, remember when Bill O'Reilly was screaming about doing it live? He did it because <laughs> of screw ups like that. So th- th- this is John from Goat District FF, official Twitter account of the Goat District, passionate about fantasy football, focused on dynasty. Oh, man, if if TJ was still here, you'd be in trouble. He is IPA obsessed, (laughs) and TJ is, uh, you know, hashtag I hate IPA. He's in the Bell Division, and if you're interested in writing about fantasy football, DM him. Why don't you – and your name's Jonathan? It's Johnny. Johnny. All right. So – uh, why don't you tell everyone exactly where they can find you on Twitter, Johnny? And uh, because you're saying you're looking for writers, and I get people every once in a while saying to me, how did you break through? And I said, I wrote things, and I sent them to people. So give your information and what you're looking for, and maybe you'll get some, uh, you'll get some hits off of it. Sounds good. Thanks. Uh, before I get into that, thanks again for having me on your show. Big fan of the show. Um, my Twitter is at Goat District, G-O-A-T-D-I-S-T-R-I-C-T. And similar to your approach with your podcast, where you like to have new 
or first time, I guess, podcasters on your show. I like to give the opportunity to new writers or maybe writers that haven't had exposure yet to have a platform and show their knowledge and their passion for fantasy football. That That's great. I, I think that that's wonderful. Um, and I'm glad you could make it. I mean, you and I are also right now in another one of these uh, best ball of death, uh, you know, deals <laughs> where um, we did one that I, I mean, I, my timeline just wouldn't stop blowing up on uh, my fantasy league. This time we're doing it on FFPC. Um, how do you like your draft so far in that? Good. I've only made the – I actually, for the first time this season, I, I had the 1.01, so I took uh, the usual David Johnson, and I'm still waiting for my second pick. How about oh, yourself? okay, yeah. you you, you got to take some DJ there. Um, yeah, I have the 12, and I took uh, A.J. Green, who fell, along with Jay Ajayi. I normally would have taken Jordan Howard there, but my Jordan Howard exposure is getting a little out of hand, and I, I really don't have them that far apart. Um, you could argue that Jay Ajayi is better than, in a be- definitely in a better situation team-wise. So I'm not upset at all with that start. Um, but we're not here necessarily to talk about that. We're, you know, tell us though before we get into the whole, you know, Bell division and your draft so far, who's in it, all that good stuff. Tell me a little bit about you, Johnny, um, your fantasy football journey and how you got to this spot. So I'm a Canadian. I'm in the Toronto area. They call it the GTA, so I'm about 30 minutes outside of the downtown area. Uh, big La- hockey La- fan, La- obviously, the Leafs. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Jays fan, Raptors box, fan, and a big sorry, fan. Sorry, but the box up there is way different than what we get down here. I mean, it's really good up there. We call U.S. beers watered down. Because they are. They are. Ours is a little stronger. Um, and uh, I've been married uh, for five years, have a beautiful 13-month-old daughter. Congratulations. And like yourself, thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, like yourself, I'm in the sales uh, end of business. I'm in, uh, I work for a dermatology company, and I've been in the business for 12 years. So you got some skin in the game. Hello? Did I lose you? Are you there? In fantasy football, uh, uh, playing around 95. You are breaking up, my friend. Nobody. John, I can't hear you. You are going to have to call back in. John? All right. Sorry about that. We'll get Johnny back up here hopefully in a second. Um, he actually did call in on Skype, and we lost Johnny, so we're going to just wait for him to call back in. Let me send him a quick lost you, John, call back. you got to love live radio. I mean, pretty much anything can happen, and it often does. 
Um, pretty, you know, once we, we get through John, we'll be going to our third guest who is already waiting. Um, so hopefully John realizes that he is no longer on the podcast and he calls us back, Johnny. And it was funny because I made a good joke and I was waiting for him to laugh. You know, he sells, he works for a dermatology company and I said he has skin in the game. And, uh, that was you know, I guess my pun destroyed his phone connection. So, um, still not calling back in. And there's not much I can do about it. I've let him know that he should be calling back in. So, dead air. Up oh, there we go. Sorry about back? that. I am oh, back. Oh, good. So, did you hear my joke? I didn't hear your joke, sorry. You said you worked for a dermatology company, and I am said, good, you got skin in the game. <laughs> that is correct. I've got skin in the game. That's a good one. So so, so finish up your tale of um, of your fantasy football journey, and I won't interrupt this time with bad puns. Oh, no problem. No problem. I think they're hilarious. Um, so 95-96 is when I started with the Yahoo. They have those free fantasy leagues and that's what I started on uh, grew my experience from there there's is that on your end the beeping I think it's Chris's okay just keep talking I'm gonna I'm gonna mute okay. his mic for now okay all right he, he's so muted started, okay thank you so I started about 10 years ago uh, playing dynasty um my, I guess my biggest success would be, uh, and that's how you and I started chatting, was the Football Guys Players Championship on FFPC. So I came in fifth uh, the first year I played that. Or sorry, I came in 22nd. Sorry, I went into the weekend in fifth place. And that was in 2014. Was one of the lucky people that took ODB off of the waiver wire. And uh, other than that, I play MFL 10s. Played a couple of those eliminators for DLF and um, Matt Kelly. And I'm going down to Vegas actually in September to celebrate my 40th and to do a live auction draft with FFPC. Wow. How much is that sucker? 750 Oh, that's not that bad. I mean, I, I yeah, thought you – yeah, so you're not playing the main event, but that's still pretty damn cool. Um, all right. I figure so, I'll get my feet wet first. Go ahead. No, I just I said I just I figure I'll get my feet wet the first time and try it out and maybe move up the next time. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I did warn you, you that you wouldn't be able to hear me when I tried to talk. I guess that's a blog talk thing. Apologize to the audience and we're going to head into the Bell Division where we find fan Jacob Dreyer, uh Jacob Henry. Goat District, Johnny Elias, is that how you pronounce it, or Elias? That is correct. Elias. Elias, okay. Um, uh, Fan Joe Lapari, fake Jeremy Hart, Fantasy Gumshoe, a buddy of mine. Um, You've got uh, theroughdraft.com, Dan Claskins is smart, Chris Harris, a big guy in the industry, um, and Heath Kruger from Rotoviz, who um, 
is a very, 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 very smart guy. And uh, he got what I wanted out of the 10 spot. He took Breeze and was able to get Kelsey. Um, Reed lasted to 3-1 in your division. So um, what what were your thoughts um, when you got the third spot? And what was your thoughts behind – I mean, were you on whoever, whichever the big three running backs felt you no matter what? Yeah, I tried to justify going another direction, but it's hard to. I mean, especially if you start looking up first down stats, uh, easy, easy E as I call them, uh, was had 20 more first downs than DJ on the ground. So it's hard to, to pass up a guy like that, especially in this format where the running back has uh, more value than – let's say the wide receiver, wide receivers. Yeah. I, I, I can't say that I disagree with you and, um, you know, you're not going to get any arguments from me. If I was in the third spot, I would have considered Aaron Rodgers, Um, but push comes to shove. I probably would have taken Zeke Elliott and you came back at the end of round two. And who did you take? I took at round two. Oh, actually, I, I went off course. I was going to initially take a quarterback, and I decided to take two running backs. I wanted two workhorses and took DeMarco Murray. DeMarco Murray, and then you did get your quarterback in the third round in Marcus Mariota. Tell me why you decided to take Mariota over some of the next quarterbacks on the board, Kirk Cousins, Jameis Winston, Matthew Stafford, um, is, is, am I missing Cam Newton not off the board yet? No, I think he was at that point. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so you, you had one of those drafts where quarterbacks went much earlier. Uh, Tom Brady, uh, Rodgers went four, Brady went five, Breeze went ten, Luck went twelve, Cam went to four. Wilson went to seven, Ryan to nine. So, yeah, a lot of the quarterbacks went. And uh, I don't see David Carr off the board yet, though. He was not off the board yet. Yeah. So uh, what, what did you like about Mariota in this scoring system over some of the other guys I mentioned? The two main reasons, uh, the first one is upside. I think in a tournament like this with this many owners trying to get to the same end, uh, you have to take risk and you have to go for upside. And that's kind of where I went with um, Mariota. The biggest reason, though, I think is uh, I'm, I love stacking. I love stacking players. Um, so I was either going to take Dak or Mariota at that point to basically monopolize the touchdowns from one of the teams and decided to go with Mariota. Okay. And how happy are you with your draft? So far, so good. Um, I think that uh, other positions will move down and will find value at the wide receiver position. Tight ends, I usually go in with the same strategy, whether it's uh, in this tournament or in another draft, and that's to get one of the top three at value. If that doesn't happen, then I'm content waiting a little later uh, to pick up uh, players like Bennett or whoever I can find between maybe the seven and nine round. What's your thoughts overall on the scoring system? And, you know, 
push comes to shove, if, if you're faced with a quarterback, a running back, and a tight end, all who you have about even, uh, which one would you tend to go for? Uh, you know, kind of how do you rate them in, as in importance of which one you should grab? I think quarterback and running back are pretty even. Then it would be tight end, and then wide receivers would be the last on the list. Uh, roster construction is important. So the fact that I took two workhorses early, I will probably look for either good value at the position later on or look for their handcuffs because this is a tournament, again, uh, where you, you might want to use the handcuffs if needed. And um, wide receiver, I mean, there's a lot of value in a regular draft. So in a format like this where they lose a bit of value, they get pushed and they're getting pushed more and more down into the later rounds. So it's easy to pick up a bunch of wide receiver twos and fill up your three spots that you need to start every week. Yeah, it really depends on the division, I think. Um, you, you, you know, like my division – we're only at pick 211, but pretty much that whole first tier is now gone. Evans, Green, Julio, Odell. Um, did I miss anyone? I'm a little surprised that Charles uh, Kleinhexel from Rotoviz, who's my editor, so I shouldn't defend him too bad. We're in the same division. Um, I'm a little surprised at Evan, so I'm going to have to go on the Slack chat and check that out. But, um, yeah, I mean, it really depends on the division and who's there and really kind of having a sense, don't you think, of really who the best player is and who you might be able to get the next time. Exactly. Uh, one of the one of the things that I actually like with my position, I know a lot of people like being in the middle so they don't get caught uh, with runs. I personally like being on the ends, especially with there's if there's one or two owners uh, between myself and the end of the round. It makes it easier for me to plan my picks by looking at those two teams and seeing what they might go for, what I can wait on maybe when it turns back uh, in my favor. And um, yeah. That's a very interesting point, and it's something that I do a lot in best ball leagues. I'll use the Rotoviz app, and I'll, I'll literally search for that person's name and kind of see what they are likely to take. You know, like if you go through, if someone's done 30 drafts and you're at the 10 spot, you know, you can look and see, oh, right around this spot they got this guy who they've taken eight times and this guy they've taken 11 times. Well, if I like one of those two guys, I better take him and not let it get to him. Um, so you, you're exactly. saying that even in this situation, you like that strategy. I do like that strategy. And the other thing that you can do is by having two quick picks is you can actually start the runs yourself. Um, I know this morning a couple of uh, my buddies were drafting and late in the first asking me if they should take Gronk. And I said, if you take Gronk, at least you're going to be pushing the other positions down uh, when people are scrambling, trying to grab tight ends a little earlier. And that's exactly what happened. And he managed to get his players in the next two rounds. It's a risky, but something that I was thinking of doing, especially like if I, I wouldn't do it with the, the, the 10, but I would do it coming back with the um, three where let's say I took a quarterback, you know, Breeze, and if, you know, if, if 
at the 11, 12, and, you know, three other quarterbacks followed, I would take a fourth one because now there's already a run, right? You're early in the run, but, boy, you could really set a panic off by continuing it by taking a second quarterback. But when I took Breeze, I kind of did do it a little bit, but then Gronk went to Jai Kels, Luck, and I took Jordan Reed, and then Olsen went. So, really, we did kind of clean out that whole first tier of tight ends, and um, we're now at uh, 212 and no one, no other tight end yet. So it, it really is an interesting strategy. I like it. It is. It is. Scott uh, really put us on, on our toes on our, and are our, our getting us to be a little more creative, but it's good. It's good to learn new things, and uh, I think it's going to be a fun ride. Yeah, and I, every, every division is going to be different. But I think because there are three positions that are run-sensitive in this draft, quarterback, running back, and tight end, that overall you might not get as many runs because there will be a couple wide receivers thrown in, and people don't mind mixing those quarterback, running backs, and tight ends. So it might not be as much of a runny draft as I anticipated it being. It, it might not. And one, one other uh, quick strategy is we, when you're on your own draft page, you can see the other four or five, I believe, divisions in the same conference. You just click over to them. So if you use your clock, maybe not run out the entire time, but and you go look at those other drafts to see what's been going on around the area that you're at, it gives you kind of an idea. You know, it gives you a bit of a, a heads up on what, what, you, what might happen coming up on your next pick or around that area. Yeah. Um, Any last thoughts that you want to share, strategies that people should consider with SFB? And you can also kind of let us know what might be next for the GOAT district. Yeah. um, No, I mean, that's. I think we went through pretty much uh, all I had to say with regards to strategy. I mean, uh, again, I want to thank you for having me on. I think what you're doing is great. Guys like you and Scott Fish really represent the, the community well and, and gather the community together as opposed to, you know, kind of uh, approaching it a different way. And um, the GOAT district, I think, um, again, with, the, with my one-year-old daughter, it's, it can be challenging with regards to time, finding the time, but we do have writers coming in regularly and posting uh, their articles. And the next step will be to uh, get a podcast started. We're actually in the middle of drafting our own league and uh, our own dynasty league. And we've got uh, plans to start a podcast around that with some of the guys. Well, that doesn't sound bad. You know, goat bad. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were were cutting out there. (laughs) Yeah, bad. No, um, last thing I want to say to what you said, um, first of all, thank you. That's very kind of you to say. I, you know, I am doing these podcasts and Scott was kind enough to forward that I was doing it, and I am kind of starting to get ahead. But what I really, really think is that guys like you are what this is all about. And <clears throat> Excuse me. I get a, a huge kick out of having guys like yourself on the podcast, and I'm amazed how many guys, when they get their first chance to do a pod, just how well they do. So, um, 
Tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter one last time, and you were great. I really enjoyed having you on. Thanks a lot, Todd. That uh, means a lot, and I, again, I appreciate you having me on. I can be found at Goat District, at Goat District, at G-O-A-T-D-R-I-S-T, and our website is GoatDistrict.com. All right, so go check him out at BAD. All right, um, Johnny, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, the goat, I should have uploaded some goat sounds, and I didn't. So I made them. (laughs) But have a good day, and thank you so much. All right, so we're going to move over to our third and final guest tonight. Um, He is, his name is Chris, and I'm not sure if it's Hale or Hile, and he'll get on that in a second and let us know, but I do want to read um, some information on him. You can find him on Twitter at the Grizzly Beard, and Grizzly is G-R-I-Z-Z-L-Y. He is the content manager of XN Sports and co-host of the 10 to 1 podcast and a proud member of SSWA, from the great state of Indiana. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on this evening. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um did I was it it's Hile, right? It is. Yes, you pronounced it right. All right. So where in Indiana are you from? Uh I'm in Batesville. I'm about the halfway point between uh Indianapolis and Cincinnati, so I kind of get the best of both those worlds. Oh, that's nice. So um, how old are you? And uh, tell us a little bit about your life and your fantasy journey. Sure. Uh, Well, I'm 30 years old. I've been in the fantasy game for quite some time. I actually started writing originally with Scott Fish's website, ffoasis.com, several years back. I've I've done several different podcasts and written for a couple different um, sites. However, I've just kind of slowly been kind of getting out of the game, but it's hard to completely get out when you have an obsession for fantasy football still. It is an addiction, isn't it? It really is. And it's weird when you talk to someone and they don't really get it, but it is, a, it's a, it is an addiction for sure. Yeah, it's like, it's like talking to a guy, you know, uh, someone who doesn't appreciate females and you're drooling and you're looking at them like, no. Really? No? And it's like, okay. Uh, you know, but fantasy foot maybe that's not the best example I've ever used, but it, <laughs> it really is very interesting how people are either fantasy football people or they're not. And, you know, occasionally you'll run into someone who is, you know, a casual player. He plays in his one league with his buddies, and, you know, it's as much about drinking as it is anything else, and they use standard scoring still. But most people who get the addiction with so many ways to feed the addiction now on the Internet, it's really tough. And it's why I like best ball leagues so much. You know, I call best ball leagues the one-night stand of fantasy football because you get all the fun of drafting and studying and all that stuff, but you don't have, like, all the relationship aspects of managing the league. Uh, what are your thoughts on best ball leagues? Do you do many of them? Uh, I don't – what's funny is years ago 
Um, there's a gentleman uh, named Fantasy Taz, and he used to do these. They're called draft masters. And this was before, like, mock drafts were really, like, they, they were kind of hard to come by. So these draft masters are kind of like the best ball. They are best ball leagues. Like, you draft your team, and they're locked in. Like, it, it, you don't get to do any um, roster management. And they were great because it would, it would help you out with ADP, figuring out everything. Um, these were before the days of the MFL 10. So this was fantastic on what to do, and I was obsessed with them because you draft and then you just you, you kind of forget. It's almost like a surprise in a couple months when you're looking like, oh, I was on to something early. You know, I was on to something in May and June, and I kind of turned a little bit in July, and it was really neat to kind of see your trends as a person to how you grew. Absolutely. And um... – is this your first year in the fishbowl? Well, you've known Scott, so I, I imagine you've been part of the fishbowl before. I have. Um, gosh. I know, I'm trying to think, was last year 360? I, I don't 480. remember. 480 was 480, last so year. Because it, it was my first year. My, so. I think 360 was my first year in it. But it might have been before. I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> I haven't been keeping track. But you've been but here a I, while. I, you've been here. I have. Been. You've been here long enough to forget when you started. So that that that, exactly. that kind of answers my question. Um, this year you're in with a couple of buddies of mine, um, and another guy who I'm in a league with. I'm in a league with Tim Torch. We made a huge trade that kind of blew up our dynasty league. Um, a, a, a friend of mine, Joey Bichonette from Canada, the the ref. Um, the hockey ref and uh, a, a really great guy who was on one of my earlier SFB shows, Sal Lido. Um, you're in the ace spot, Chris, and you took Devonta Freeman in the eighth spot. You had a little bit of an early run on running back with Gordon and McCoy going uh, after the big three. Uh, Jordan Howard and Ajayi were on with uh, at the same time as Freeman. And I've got Freeman rated third out of those three, so I'm curious as to your your thoughts as to why you went with Freeman instead of Ajay or Howard. You know, these guys are rated so closely. Um, I think it would be nice for the people out there to hear your perspective of why you like Freeman over the other two. Sure. I'd be happy to go into it. Before I do that, I have to this is we have a little Twitter group where we're kind of messaging each other saying, hey, it's your turn. Well, when uh, Julie went ahead and drafted, she drafted Andrew Luck at the sixth spot, and she says, right after she drafted, she said, oh, shoot, well, Sean McCoy was available. And sure enough, Corey Snyder sniped him out, and I was so pissed. I was like, God damn it. Or sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Um, I was like, you know. It's yeah, I'm not a big GD fan, but me. definitely on the radio. Go ahead. Yeah, he would. It's one of those situations where you he may not have noticed that Lashawn was still available, and it's one of those where like I think I could have still got him, but she mentioned something, and so it was, it was like I felt like from the very first round I was sniped the person. So that, that was the one person I was trying to target was Lashawn McCoy. So um, onto my pick of Devontae Freeman. I like uh, the offense. Obviously, it's on uh, turf, so it's a, it's a little faster game. Jay Ajay, I still think, is a little bit unproven just because he scored the majority of his points in a small sample set. Um, 
And Jordan Howard is just in a bad situation. I, obviously, he's going to get fed the ball, uh, but I just don't I don't trust that team, and I really can't trust and get behind them compared to someone who's uh, much more proven like Devontae. Gotcha. You know, my concern is that, you know, I had him in the FBG last year, and, you know, I got him at the end of the second round, and it was hell picking him which week to start him with Coleman there. And, you know, that's – if it's in a best ball, I can I can go along with it more. I guess, you know, I guess it's uh, my recency bias where I feel like I could start a Jai and Howard every week. And, and you know, it, it just – maybe it's me overthinking Coleman being there. Uh, but I think with Shanahan gone and, uh, you know, I just have free – you know, again, we have these tiers. I have – Freeman on the same tier, but I just have it in a different uh, order than you do, which is pretty normal uh, when you do fantasy football. So you came back with another running back in the second round, Todd Gurley. Uh, Russell Wilson was still on the board, and then Julie (laughs) made her quarterback dreams come true with a second quarterback in Marcus Mariota at 2-7. You mentioned she had taken luck. So um, was there anyone you were hoping would fall to you in your second spot that didn't, and uh, well, or was Gur- or was Gurley the guy? Well, really, I think um, Sal Lito kind of threw a wrench in things for a lot of people. Uh, with uh, the 12th pick and the first pick in the second round, he went quarterback, quarterback. And so I think that was honestly kind of a shocker where most people are still going to try to draft um, someone besides a, a quarterback and someone else. Um, but to invest both in quarterbacks, I thought was a bit surprised. Um, but I, I really wanted to stick this draft into going running back and running back. That was my main goal. And it really, still to, for this draft, wide receivers are still going very late in the draft. Um, and so I think a lot of people are staying with the running backs. And I, I, I'm kind of okay with that. I feel like I'm picking the ones that I'm comfortable with, even though I think, I think Gurley's going to have a much better season than he did last year. Yeah, I do too, and I can't, I can't blame anyone for going running back, running back here, and locking up two workhorses like you did. Um, well, Freeman, we've already talked about, but uh, but definitely mm-hmm. Gurley is the guy in 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 um, in LA. Um, I would have been real tempted with Wilson, but uh, again, these that's what makes these drafts interesting. Um, you know, you come back around to the third round, and where are you in the third round? Ah, you got a very good quarterback. Uh, tell us about your third-round pick. Sure. Um, so, with my third-round pick, I selected Cam Newton. I am a lot higher on him than I feel like a lot of pe- people are in the industry. I, You know, last year he was, didn't have his MVP season, uh, that he did the previous year, but I still think he is a very uh, – he could easily finish a top three, top five quarterback, like hands down. And in, in this uh, league, he is a running quarterback, so, uh, of course, you do get those rushing attempts. I will say in this third round, I wish I would have picked Cam Newton, and if you do look a little further in our draft, Jordan Reed was taken at 311, which I think is a steal. And I, I was kind of upset after I saw he was picked, and it was just one of those – I think everyone kind of passed him up, and it was one of those mistakes where you're like, man, I thought he was taken. 
uh, but it, it happens sometimes. It does, and I took him at two, three. So yeah, definitely getting him at three eleven was really nice. Let's see who else that guy has. Um, it's so-called fantasy experts Michael Tomlin. Um, he went Antonio Brown in the first round, and then he came back with Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard, who I like, and then he got Jordan Reed. So that's a pretty good start. And that, but and then he went Michael Thomas. So he, he's, you know. I'm not a big fan of the wide receivers here, but he certainly has two studs. So moving on, you you got your quarterback in the third, and did he get a chance to make a fourth-round pick? Yes, we're in the fourth, and I'm almost up here. I'm a couple picks. Uh, no, I, actually, I did make my fifth pick. Yeah, just you made my fifth. fifth. I have mine on. Yeah, I have mine on auto draft. So <laughs> okay, so you got. Uh, yeah, you you got back-to-back wide receivers in the fourth round. Uh, you got DeAndre Hopkins and then Des Bryant, so um, mm-hmm. your draft's pretty well, uh, pretty well in motion. And um, let's go back. You know, we kind of did your interview backwards, so we've covered <laughs> your draft. But let's talk about you know what you do at XN Sports and the Ten to One podcast. Sure. So uh, we'll start with the Ten to One podcast. I co-host it with my good friend Eric Olinger. Uh We actually we've kind of taken a small, small, small break. We're working on a couple different things. Um, it's we both have small kids. Uh, I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and I think he has a five-year-old as well. We just finished up T-ball season with him, and so it's getting ready to start soccer season. So it's just one of those. It's summertime. It's crazy for us. So I mean. It's amazing that some people are able to continue their podcast. It's one of those things where we both kind of said to each other, like, this is fun, but we need to just take a small step. And the 10 to 1 isn't anything football-related. We actually just rank a topic uh, of our top 10 favorite things each week. So it, it will be uh, some are fan input, but it could be anything from, uh, you know, favorite romantic comedy movie, and we'll list our top 10 favorite movie that you'll just watch on TV, and it doesn't matter, favorite movie soundtrack. So we have a lot of fun with it, and it's kind of it's different because we get to geek out. Absolutely, and um, and the other um, the other thing in your timeline. Sure. Yes. Yeah. So the content manager is something that I actually just started on. I'm in the interview process of looking through some candidates to get going. Um, Excellent Sports, when I was starting out, was actually a was a huge position. It was a, a lot of people were getting paid for the website back at that time. Uh, people like C.D. Carter, um, uh, two QBs, uh, Sal Stephanile, and um, I want to say there's a bunch of other people that have written for it. Um, like Maybe Lord, uh, Rich Rebar, I think, wrote for them as well. Like, there's several different people that are reputable, and they wrote for the site. And I went ahead and I reached out to uh, Tom Fitzgerald, and I said, hey, are you looking for any help? And we agreed that I was to go ahead and I was going to try to hire people in. So I have a pretty decent eye of people that are that have potential, and we're just trying to get people their starting their stepping stones. So they it's almost like a diving board, so they can jump off into something a little bigger uh, when they're ready. It's just really working and honing uh, their skill set and teaching them the right steps. 
Awesome. Awesome. Um, tell everyone how they can find you, and if they want to st- – are you taking resumes, or are you taking – you know, uh, if someone's listening to the pod and, and they want to apply to such a reputable site with such a great history of people moving on to bigger jobs, how would they get a hold of you? Sure. Um, they can always reach out to me anytime uh, on Twitter at the Grizzly Beard. Um, otherwise, just go to excellentsports.com. Uh, you, uh, I think we have an article up, and the we had like a, a set time, but we're still accepting applicants. We're always looking. Um, we actually do everything. There's, I'm in charge of the content manager, but I don't really, I don't have a defined role as far as baseball and other sports as of yet. That's something that we may approach as we get a little further. But if you want to write for hockey, basketball, baseball, we can look at that, and we'll definitely try to get you your foot in the door. I mean, we're really looking to get uh, X and sports back off the ground and back into a uh, website that everyone kind of envies over. Awesome. Um, This is the uh, end of our sixth SFB podcast. I will try and get a couple more in um, as we move along in the draft process. I know that there's a few more people who asked to be on the pod who haven't been on the pod yet. If you're listening, I, I, I'm doing my best. I, I got a lot going on right now, but I love these podcasts. Chris, thank you so much for joining me and for being part of the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. And really thank you for uh, letting everyone who's in the Scott Fishbowl and then just other guests be on your show. It's always a pleasure, and you know it's just great to talk to someone else who enjoys fantasy. So thank you very much. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. I really enjoyed having you on, as I do all the guests who have been on these podcasts. I, I, I definitely am going to do at least two more, I would say, over the next three to four weeks, um, and we'll just see how it goes. I'm going to be away at the end of the month. Um, but if you're trying to win this league, 720 people, you're going to need a miracle. And so I'm going to lead out tonight with, from Jefferson Starship, Miracle. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks for listening to the pod.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.